0: Okay, welcome back. This is episode four.
1: Episode four. Of
0: the Model Parenting Podcast. Um, We're going to start to um, help you kind of build some foundations of your relationship. Again, we've talked about we have a a relational bias, and um, our model is pointed at relationship, relationship with kids. And I'm sure you heard some of that last week. Um, When they were, if you haven't listened to episode three, uh, our kids were in uh, that episode kind of talking through some of this model stuff. And hopefully you heard some of that relationship and and relational focus that we have. But um, one of the the bigger things about parenting and a a lot of where the struggle comes in is when we are, are trying to raise our kids and we're trying to get them to essentially be obedient to what we're trying to get them to be or do or have them act or behave a certain way. Um, So one of the first places that I think we've got to start is understanding this dynamic in our relationship of of our role as parents isn't primarily trying to get our kids to be obedient. Right. Which
1: I think... Is confused in our in our culture. I I
0: think it is confused. I I think there's a lot of of struggle that um, parents run into because they're so focused on getting their kids to be obedient that they don't they don't build that relationship. And ultimately, relationship comes into like obedience comes out of relationship. So, and, and I think God, back to our model, God interacts with us that same way. That God built a relationship with us that would allow us to see who He was and how He cared for us. That would make us want to be obedient.
1: I agree, and I think the world also redefines obedience. Um, and we have to we have to go back and define obedience as based on truth and what is actual obedience. I think we'll get later into that, talking as we move towards that that discussion. But. Um,
0: But uh, obedience is is a lot of parents look at it as that's that's the target. That's what we're trying to get to.
1: But a lot of parents think it's that's behavior. Like you can see obedience in behavior, but obedience really is in the heart, and the heart is a lot of times not as tactile and tangible as behavior.
0: Right. So... We're we're going to talk about obedience. This is kind of going to be a two-part episode as we talk about this kind of foundational relationship of of parents and kids. As you're looking to build this model, whatever model you're, you're choosing, whether that be a relationship or something else, I do think there's going to have to be an element of respect that is built in your relationships. And a lot of times we try to build that through, trying to make them obedient and respect our authority, and we're the parents, so you do what we say. Well, and a lot of the, the, the age-old answer of, of parents when they say, "Hey, why do I have to do this?" Well, because I said so. Right, and
1: it's a one-way respect. It's a it's
0: a one-way respect. So, um, I, I think helping you process that maybe it's not just about um, building a respect for your authority, um, but maybe building the relationship first and letting the respect grow out of that relationship. I think is is going to be helpful. So. Yes a lot of what we have done in our our relationship with our kids is we started with, and we wanted to help them have a healthy understanding of um, choices rather than circumstances, because uh, a lot of people get caught up and they, they're defined by their circumstances and not the choices that they make. So, um, we have spent a lot of time and effort and a lot of energy in helping our kids and train them in how to make choices not necessarily we weren't trying to make good choices or whatever we, we literally built a lot of things so this first part of this episode is going to i told you it's going to be two parts the first part is going to focus on this choices idea the second part is going to focus on um more of the obedience and and where that comes from and how we train some of that so um, we're we're going to have to split this idea into two. So if you only if you stop at episode four, you're, you're not going to get all the way there. So I think um, as we start this episode, I want you to understand we're breaking it into two because of time. Uh, we're trying to keep them around that 30 minute idea,
1: and because of mental energy. But they're extremely tied together.
0: Right. That you, you can't you can't really have one um, without the other. So a couple of ideas I want you to understand as we get into this, and Farrah's is going to talk mostly about these choices because. Um, as we were training this in our kids, she did most of the work and the leg work in training our kids. A lot of that came from her speech therapy background and she knew how to train some of those things. So she really did kind of create inside of our, our model, how we were going to train them in these choices. Um, but uh, as we get started, I think it is something that we have to train to focus on their choices because if, if if you're talking to a kid and um, say your kids get in a fight or an argument and one punches the other one, okay, you're you're going to look at and say that behavior wasn't acceptable and they're going to start immediately defending their position and who's right and who's wrong. And why. And they're talking about the circumstances. Oh, well, Tommy did this or Johnny did that. And you're talking about all the, the why's behind it and stuff. And Ultimately, what we did when we were in that situation with our kids is we helped them understand, hey, what did you choose? Hey, I know that Cole hurt your feelings or Dax or Corwin hurt your feelings, but what did you choose? You chose to then physically punch them or yell at them or your choice defined the situation, not the circumstance you were in. That's not and, who you are.
1: And all all the people had choices involved in the situation so that everybody had choices.
0: Right. So, um, choices really are the, the powerful component. We can choose differently And in, in whatever happens in the circumstances of life. We can choose differently and we can choose to obey or not. That's why we're talking about choices first, because your kids make choices, whether they obey or whether they respect, we make those choices. So we wanted to train our kids in how to make choices so that they could understand that there were options. Every time that they were presented with a situation, there were options and opportunities to do things one way or another. Um, and the reason that we, and, and this is kind of a, an after-the-fact understanding.
1: Yeah, I was going to say, we didn't have all of the hindsight that we're giving you in what we were doing. We've kind of gotten that later as we've gone and we've heard things and we're like oh that's why that went the way it did or whatever as you know as I've done continuing ed or as we've been interacting with you know I work with some counselors and some other people as we as we interact with science and stuff like that that's coming out of psychology we're like oh we so we didn't really know we didn't really have the hindsight that we have that we're sharing with you when we were doing some of the stuff that we were doing but, um, but I hope that having the hindsight first will help empower and encourage and and put all the pieces more together than what we had when we were actually doing it when we were working with it.
0: Right. So as we were training these kids in choices, one of the big things is we we try to teach them is that emotions are terrible decision makers that if the emotions of a, of a situation integrated you can't teach that to four and five-year-olds like that's not a concept i think they can understand i'm looking at fair to see if, i
1: mean but it's still something that you can narrate for them
0: right you can narrate for them so that's so what i'm saying we we've tried to narrate that and help them understand that emotions are terrible decision makers um and not to use that as your selection for choices so Um, We we talk about it a lot more with our kids now. uh, They told you in the last episode they Play Golf, um, when they get emotional about a decision on a golf course, it's usually the wrong decision. That's kind of the main area that we get to explain that and help them understand that now at at the ages of 18 and 16. But even at the ages of 4 and 5 and 6, when they were making emotional decisions, we had to help them understand and flag those emotions and say, okay, why – Why did you choose that? What was that moment that made you say, okay, this is how I want to act or react in that situation and train them in the language? Yes, it's difficult to do, but even as parents, we try not to make emotional decisions because we try, we we don't, we we haven't done it perfectly, (laughs) haven't done it all the time. Um,
1: But when we recognize that we did, we also try to go back and say, we were using that to make our decision and you know we've we've learned all that the hard way that emotions are terrible decision makers
0: right but we are our kids are pulled towards disobedience we are too we are too as as humans as part of the fall we are pulled when when adam and eve sinned in the garden god came up to him and he's like hey what's going on they immediately started blaming the circumstances the man's adam was like hey well you gave me this woman and and she messed this up and Eve was like, well, the serpent made me do this. And, and both of them started talking about their circumstances. But God was focused on their choice. Like, well, what did you do? You, they knew what was right. and when, well, they, they, they knew that what they were doing was against what God wanted for them. They were choosing to eat from this tree that God said, don't eat from. And they made that choice. So we are pulled towards, because of our humanity, we are pulled towards disobedience. So we should not be surprised when our kids choose disobedience.
1: Because they're pulled that way. We shouldn't be shocked.
0: We have to train obedience, and we have to train that through giving them choices and focusing on their choices, not on their circumstances. So it's a very difficult concept and idea to wrap our head around as adults. But as we get that and realize that focusing on choices and parenting our kids in choices then they can start to understand, okay, hey, I see how this can go differently if I make a different choice.
1: But I think for me personally, doing some of the, the choices work and taking the steps helped me to process what God was teaching me about choices and how he values choice and how he gave us a choice to begin with. Um, are you ready for me to get into that? or Not you,
0: yet. Um just the other thing that we wanted to help you understand is by training them in choices, people are loyal to who trains them. There is a, so if you, if you go to a job and you start a new job and you've got a supervisor and they're training you how to do this job, you train and you learn and you do it that way. Well, if that supervisor changes, you are loyal to the person who trained you how to do it. There's a loyalty that is built by teaching and training and showing them showing you how to do a task. Well, the same thing holds true with our kids. If our kids, if we're training them on how to make these choices, we develop some loyalty from them by teaching them and training them and showing them how to do it. So a lot of you who have teenage kids, you understand that your kids are extremely loyal to their friends. Well, probably a lot of their friends are teaching them and training them about some things, and and they may be good things, bad things, I don't know, you know, whatever those decisions are, they're developing that loyalty because they're learning those ideas from their friends.
1: That's why we have to talk about the hard stuff before their friends start to talk about them because whoever that initial trainer is, there is a psychological loyalty that goes into that.
0: Right, so being able to to train them. It, I mean, it's almost like when Farrah and I were, were early on in marriage, I think it was one of our early first Thanksgivings. We were living out in Seattle. Farrah was cooking Thanksgiving lunch for us and she made some mashed potatoes and I don't know if they were lumpy or I don't remember what they were. They were different they from were the way lumpy. they were lumpy.
1: And they didn't have the right salt and I mean, there were a lot of things there were think. Di- They were different.
0: <laughs> but, and, and I made the comment, I'm like, hey, well, this isn't the way my mom did it and if there's dudes listening to this podcast. You have probably said that to your wife at some point as well.
1: But women do the same things with their dads, so, that are especially that are strongly bonded to their dads.
0: But my my mom is the one who trained me on – I wasn't saying that I didn't like Ferris mashed potatoes. And in the in the time, in the moment, because this was, again, before we are living in a model, I couldn't artic- – I, I wouldn't have been able to articulate what I – but I was just loyal to my mom – because that's Which how she—that's how she trained me. <laughs> she taught me, "Hey, this is what happens. This is how these things go." And and uh, husbands, if you've made that comment, you're probably just loyal to who trained you. That that concept holds up from work to life to your kids, and um, it, it's a it's a phenomenon that happens. That somehow there is a bond that is formed when we're training people how to do things. So. The more we can train our kids, the more we can train them in, I, getting back into that foxhole parenting idea. If you're getting into teaching your kids how to play baseball because you're training them on something, there's a loyalty that is developed because you're training them and teaching them a new idea. Uh, unfortunately, a lot of this gets delegated to schools and coaches and churches and stuff like that. We talked, that we talked about that a couple of weeks ago. You can't delegate and outsource that parenting because that you want that imprint of loyalty on you for training your kids how to do these things.
1: And a lot of my loyalty to education came from that psychological loyalty from being trained you know by school and um, and that kind of stuff. And so I've had to step back and and be open to aligning my training with what Scripture says before I start to train my children because I understand my own loyal bias toward whoever trained me in whatever it was. Um, But when I train them, I want it to be more in line with Scripture, which is why I don't want my kids to teach their kids just what I taught them. I want them to take the time to align their training with truth um, because there will be that that right.
0: bias so a lot of our model development as we were going through this kind of broke down some of our our training bias of who had trained us and the loyalty we had to that and fair and i imprinted that loyalty to each other as we trained each other on how to live in this new values and and model system so but
1: primarily on god
0: it was primarily on god so just understand that again we're 20 years into this journey uh, or 15 20 years in this journey um so Fair was saying, you know, you get some hindsight that we didn't have. So that's what we're hopefully trying to do a shortcut some of this for you. But so that's why we're talking about choices. That's why we're focusing the first part of this episode on choices, because choices are so vital um, in understanding how to move forward, develop loyalty to get that training, um, to ultimately get to obedience. But I think obedience starts with choices the same way God gave Adam and Eve that choice in the garden to obey or not, and that was the foundation of, of where he started with us as humans. So we're starting with that here. So Farrah's going to talk a lot of things uh, about choices in this episode, so um, I'll let her get started with that.
1: Um, so choices was a huge thing with communication, and especially with trying to elicit communication from a child who wasn't talking very much or from an elderly person that had undergone trauma, and didn't have a lot of output. There are so many benefits to a choice. Um, When you ask a child, do you want Fruit Loops or Cheerios? I have just presented a model by saying Fruit Loops or Cheerios, and they can pick the model, and then they can imitate the word rather than having to think of the word on their own. Um, Choices gives control. It gives them a little bit of power to practice with, but not too much power to destroy themselves. with. (laughs) Um, It gives them practice with decision-making. And um, yes, the more children you have, (laughs) Hmm. the more extreme multiplier of brain stress you put on yourself. Because when you have three kids and you're giving each of those three kids a choice, that's six choices that your brain has to come up with. (laughs) But it is so worth it. Um, even when giving them options that don't necessarily have a, a choice. Like there are, some circum- there are some situations where you know the best thing in this scenario for them. But when you take the time to come up with a second choice, even if it's you know, lesser than, you really want to go ahead and give it because if they choose that lesser option, it gives you a window into better how to pray for them it gives you a window into them. It gives you that intimacy window into seeing into them. It gives you a window to help direct your future training. If they choose the lesser option, why? You know, like you can kind of think through, okay, what what have I not shared with them? What can I show them um, for the future?
0: And I'm going to interject something here. Okay. Um, as we're doing some of this, I'm reminded that sometimes when we offer kids choices and they, they picked a lesser choice – or maybe even made a bad choice in some situations. We as parents couldn't. We had, we had trained ourselves and talked to ourselves about not taking that personally.
1: Yes, and not being shocked with
0: not like, being shocked with it. Being okay with. Hey, you know what? Our kid made a bad choice there, and that's a. They didn't do that because of. A lot of times we take disobedience and those things personally. Personally, right? We take. Again, we're pulled towards disobedience. That's our human being. Kids are not trying to do it in an effort to hurt you or make you mad or sad, right? E- even in rebellious situations, I don't think that that's the, the kid's intent. Right. They want what they want. Exactly. Every two- and three-year-old. Most talk, of
1: the time, you are not even brought into the equation. You're not even considered. Because they are the center of their universe.
0: Right. Two- and, two and three-year-olds are terrible people. <laughs> they're just horrible human beings. Um, they're
1: just underdeveloped. They're just
0: underdeveloped. Right. That's the point. Every kid, if you look at two- and three-year-olds, they're all pretty awful human beings. But we have to train them and teach them how not to be awful human beings. It doesn't make us bad parents when our 2- and 3-year-old are making bad decisions and bad choices. We can't take that personally. We have to stay committed to the training process and keep working the process. We also can't use
1: that as a ruler for how well we're doing. Right. Because that has, there's, those are totally unrelated.
0: Right. So I just I wanted to interject that because a lot of parents, when these things happen... Their immediate response is they take it personally which exacerbates the problem
1: or they use it as a mirror
0: they use it as a mirror Mm -hmm. and they feel badly about themselves or they start putting negative things on their kids and speaking negative on their kids when that's not what that really means Right. so just wanted to interject there
1: so if they choose the lesser it gives you a window if they choose the better it gives you a window um, it gives you that window into prayer and into intimacy. It helps direct that future training. And the last thing it does is it opens a door for one of those with moments, like we've talked about in the other episodes before, that you can be with them in a natural consequence that you both endure together. Um, and that's a treasure in a hard moment, is to have that with moment in that consequence together, even when they make the choice that you wish they hadn't made. Um And this hindsight that goes with it is, just as I was thinking through this, the self-denial to follow a child's lead into their choice gave me a glimpse into God's love and the restraint that he used when he gave us that initial choice by putting the tree of knowledge of good and evil in there as that one thing. Um, It also helps me see... um, God's sovereignty and how, because the more I did this with the kids, the more I would give them this best choice and this lesser choice, and then, you know, they would pick or whatever, but then so many times we got to the end goal that I wanted, um, not out of control, but just that's where we ended up. I was like, oh my goodness, if I can do this with my dirt for brains, then he has so much to work with, with his omniscience to get us where he wants to go, whether I make a mistake or not. Um, and I think the more you do that in parenting, the more he gives you that glimpse of himself right. in, in and, choices. And again,
0: our goal in parenting was relationship. And we had learned and realized that God had call, is calling us to himself through parenting. So the more we saw these situations, the more we saw God, the better we understood God, the more fulfilled our relationships with our kids have been.
1: Exactly. Um. so I guess how to start that we wanted to we wanted to leave y'all with some how to's this week so how to start building choices into your life um, and this works with all age kids give them as much control and as much choice over their clothes but when you just give them free reign over their clothes that is too much for their brain to handle they don't understand like what they need for this day and what they need for that day. But if you can boil it down to two or three choices, um, even up through middle school, that really helps them have good practice. So even when my littles were like toddlers, I would give them two options. Do you want this or do you want this? And they would just point to it. As they got older, I would lay out, you know, two or three things. But if we were going to church and I knew that we didn't want to wear The stuff that we wear for art, (laughs) then I would lay out two or three things that were okay for church. When they got into school and they had like specials, I don't know if this is going to be dependent on the thing, but like for, for us, one day they would go to PE, one day they would have science, one day they would have art, One day, So their bins had two or three options in their room for each of those things. And so if it was an art day, they could go to the art bin. But they were picking what they were wearing. I was not telling them what to wear. But it was okay to wear to art. Um,
0: Right. Again, a lot of this, going back to that second episode, it's very simple, but it's not not easy. easy. Because that required a lot of work and planning. So when, when Farrah was doing laundry... She would have to do laundry and help them sort and plan and fold their clothes based on the system that we had. And it was a system that allowed choices, but it didn't allow for, um, like, they didn't just run through the entire laundry basket and say, all right, I'm picking this. It was very narrowed and focused, but we had to create that focus.
1: And it wasn't overwhelming for their brains because when they just go to a full closet full of clothes, that is too much for an underdeveloped brain to handle. That's too much information coming in. So it made it simpler for them, which made them have extra energy to take to school, extra mental energy reserved for the day um, when they could just have those, you know, choices and that freedom but within the parameters um yeah. so hair <laughs> so we've always let them pick whatever haircut they wanted whatever they've had complete and control the over their hair freedom that you give them when they're younger and the consequences that they have like if they want to grow it out or whatever oh man I got some pushback big time from some of our older extended family and stuff when we were doing a faux hawk and when we were doing like longer, you know, just all the things. But now that they're going into early adulthood and they look back at those pictures and they're like, what, what were we thinking? Like they've learned that (laughs) without me having to teach it. Mm -hmm. So letting them have that choice with how they do their hair um, is a big win early on.
0: Right. We also gave them perfect control total control over their shoes shoes have <laughs> like if they wanted to wear right. flip-flops they can wear flip-flops i mean it's unless there was unless a safety, it was safety. unless <laughs> there was a safety reason that they couldn't right um but when we went to buy shoes we okay hey this section we can this is what we can afford this is the budget we have for these shoes you pick some out and,
1: and we talked to them about that too we'll talk about this in money matters but we talked about choices and money, too. We very rarely used the phrase, can't afford. We always were. This is what we're choosing to budget for this.
0: Right. The, the way we have, because we, we budgeted based on our values, because that's where most of the work Which in our model happens, we'll talk about later. But I can say yes to anything, but that means I have to say no to something, something else. else. Because we live, in a, we live in an environment of choices. So I, I never had a situation where I, I couldn't afford something. It just meant I had to say no to something else. So yes, I can spend $100 on that pair of shoes, but that means no, we can't go do this activity that you want to go do. So do you want the $100 pair of shoes or do you want to go do this activity that's fun for you? Well, most of the time they don't want the shoes that bad if they've got to sacrifice that activity. So we we budgeted our money accordingly to the values that we had and, and they saw that process And they knew that it wasn't about that I didn't have enough money. It was I was choosing not to spend more than this money so that I could choose to say yes to this activity over here. So, But we'll we'll get into more of that as we get into the money and the budgets and the value system and those kind of things.
1: Right. Breakfast and lunch, whenever possible, have always had at least two choices um, for them. Dinner, not so much because that's where we introduce things that we want them to try that they don't want to try. Um, But... As far as breakfast and lunch go, I've always tried to have two options available for them to choose. Um which again, that's simple, but it takes preparation and planning and thought. Um toys. This is one of the my favorite ways to elicit speech from a child that's not um not talking and that we talked about this a little bit more about putting them up. But when they have two things up on a on a you know a shelf and they see it and they want it and they come to you and they've you know said that they want you to come get it down help or whatever and you go in there and they're pointing and grunting then you pull two things off the shelf and you play dumb do you want this or do you want this Um, do you want the farm or do you want the ball and once again you're giving them those models and they're not having to think of that word on their own you've given them both the words they just have to produce it Um, That's a big speech thing, but it goes back to um, just that power and letting them practice with power that they have without hurting themselves. All of these require an extreme amount of margin in your time and that has to be protected. I wouldn't say
0: it's an extreme amount of okay. margin. Well, it's
1: more margin than most people, most have, people have protected. Right. And we talked
0: about <laughs> a couple weeks ago that our culture celebrates being busy.
1: Right.
0: talk about calling, and you have all the time in the world for everything that God has built you for and is calling you to, which he's calling you to himself through parenting. Um, you have time. You just have to reallocate your time based on this being important.
1: And early on, when you invest the margin and the time when they're younger, it pays back huge dividends when they're older because they have become better decision-makers. They have become better at choices, and they can do it faster because yeah. they've had practice.
0: Right. Our, our children at this point um, make high-quality decisions. They do.
1: They're high-quality decision-makers I, I can't
0: tell you that they always make the right decision, right. but they always make a high-quality decision. Um, so we haven't had a lot of the issues as a – dealing with teenagers that some of our, our friends and, and family have had because of this training environment. And we've trained them in choices from the time they were little up until they are now. And granted, some of you listening to this already have teenage children and you're like, well, hey, how, how do I, I, I still think some of these ideas are valid right? and some of these practical things are valid and you can start to empower your kids and you can actually now have a conversation about, okay, why did you choose that? not from a i want to attack you not from a hey that was stupid why did you do that but from a understanding and learning your kid
1: that window again into the intimacy with it and
0: building that relationship say hey why, why did you choose that why did you like this more than that right why did you think that this was more important than that um,
1: or how did that make how did this one make you feel better than this one would have made you feel
0: right talk talk through those and you can start to see your child's decision making process and in that process, if there are holes or flaws or, or things that, hey, well, my friends just are— Just things
1: they haven't thought about yet.
0: Right, things they haven't thought about yet. You can train that. If they're like, oh, well, my, I like this one because my friends have it. Okay, well, they're influenced by that. Oh, I like this one because none of my friends have it. Or, um, hey, so-and-so think is going to think this is cool. Okay, well, you know that that so-and-so person is an influencer in your kid's life, and you can start to, to build a relationship with that kid. So you can use these things even now— to understand your child and, and where they're getting their information and how they're making their decisions so that you can start to steer your effort into those areas to help them make better decisions.
1: Some of the other things that I want to add, David does a great job more so I think with our kids as teens um, and just letting them borrow his brain for choices for weekend activities like he will give them some choice because they do, they're not good planners like they make quality decisions but they right now are just not great at thinking ahead and planning um, because that's the teenage brain it's it's being built right now there's a lot going on in there and so he you know will tell them do you want to do this and this and this and hang out at the house or do you want to try to get a group of people to go do this what sounds you know better and then they you know then are leading their friends a lot of times in that. But he has to to help them with that. Um, The choice We
0: also have to create the space to do it. We
1: do. We have to create the space. As a
0: family, we've got to create the space to do that.
1: Yes. Um, And then choice of how to celebrate something. We are going to talk about that more when we talk about studying your kids. But just, you know, when they have a success, a lot of times we jump on, well, this is how we're going to celebrate that, or we think that's awesome, so this is what we're going to do. But asking them... Giving them two choices. We thought that we could do this or we thought that we could do this. Which one do you think that you would choose? Um, And then one of our favorite things to do as a family is when um, we do whatever everybody wants for dinner. And so everybody gets to choose their own dinner. That is a a cool window for me into what everybody's tastes are and how they've changed. And and we do that
0: maybe once a month.
1: I don't even think it's that much. I mean, like, it,
0: or it's a celebration. Maybe once a quarter. Right, celebratory thing. Celebratory thing. You know, thing. we finished the, this semester, and everybody finished it strong, not because of their grades, but because they, they had we the finished. attitude and the effort, and right. they finished. And we said, hey, everybody's finished. We're all done. Let's go. everybody whatever you want for dinner tonight.
1: So we all do curbside or, or to go wherever, whatever they want.
0: Whatever they want. Doesn't matter.
1: Then we get it. So. And,
0: and, and, again, we have a budget for that. And if um, eating out and going to three or four different restaurants isn't in your budget, you can still create ways to do that in your home and say, hey, whatever you want let for dinner tonight, let, let's pull the groceries out. And, right. you know, hey, you, oh, you want scrambled eggs and bacon for breakfast? Great. You do- want to peanut
1: butter and jelly. Right.
0: It, it, it doesn't matter. You just kind of, right. it, it doesn't have to be going to get food. Right. Um, it's
1: just that freedom of making a choice.
0: Right. Right.
1: Um, and then we, I guess we just want to leave you with um, just the thought of the one that has ultimate control uses it so sparingly but those of us as human parents have no control but we try to wield it way more often than he does
0: right if uh, and again our model is we're trying to model the way God interacts with us in our parenting he doesn't exercise his control he gives us freedom and he gives us choices and his goal is he wants a relationship with us because when we make bad choices, we want to go and talk to him and he wants us to be in relationship with him so that he can help steer us back to where he wants us to be. So we're trying to bring that into our parenting and say, okay, Hey, here's your choices. Here's the things in our life that we can give you control over. And you make the choices and let us walk through those things with you to help you understand how to make decisions. So uh, again, that's, that's kind of the starting place that we have. Ultimately, we're, we're headed towards obedience. So, this next episode that we're going to have is going to be talking about obedience and where obedience comes from and how to train obedience. But we needed to start with choices because the more choices that we can give our kids and the more that we can help them learn how to make good choices, the more I think we can see them choose obedience
1: that's almost i don't know if it's currency i don't know if respect is the currency of the relationship and choices or something but choices feels like a currency of respect right now with me thinking about it like it just i mean i think it it does i think our kids
0: would tell you that because they felt like they've had a lot of choices to be able to have they've that that we've invested that in them right
1: and and i grow in my respect of them as i learn how they made choices even if they make what i would call the lesser choice as i say with air quotes um sometimes in asking the questions and in studying them i realize, oh that was a really a quality decision it just wasn't what i would have picked it was preferential not you know character flawed
0: right now we are not suggesting that you let your kids make decisions that are life-altering decisions no and and whether your family goes to spend money a billion, I mean, please take this with reason. Parameters. Pharaoh was very specific in some of the things that she allowed them to do. There were easy little parameters that nothing was going to harm them. So if if we're talking about choices, hey, do you want to go to um, Bobby's party where they're smoking marijuana or Tommy's party where they're um, doing heroin? That that's not <laughs> that's not what we're talking about. Okay. <laughs> There are obvious things as parents that we have to step in and say, hey, we're we're not going to put this. That's that's not not a choice. That's not even (laughs) an option. Those didn't make the options. So um, understand and take all of these with a grain of salt uh, to see we're giving them small opportunities to grow and build that trust in us, that they trust us to follow through and let them do what they want to do, but also that we can trust them and see the choices that they make. So hear that with um, a little bit of, of what we intend it to be so all right so that's going to be the end of episode four um we're not going to do a resource for this right now we're going to do that at
1: i mean for choices i love the i mean do you not want to yeah, do it yeah you can go ahead and do that fine. i mean i love it's a it's a children's book but i never think that you outgrow a children's book um it's by Bob Cotter, I think is his name, um, Don't Push the Button. And basically it's just a children's book and it has one, there's one, it starts out with one rule, don't push the button, which is like like Eden, had one rule. But then, obviously, you can't not push the button in the book. <laughs> and so he pushes the button and then there's like these more rules come and then more rules come and then more rules come and the more rules cause And he, it really is a great little illustration of how much freedom you have when there's just one rule. Okay. Um, so.
0: so that's uh, the, resource yeah, don't push for, the for this yeah. one. Don't, don't push the button. So, um, but we're going to try to record this other one back to back. Um, we'll see how that goes, but just know that if you're listening in episode four, it's going to be sort of to be continued in episode five. Yes. So and choices if you start in episode the,
1: five, well, we'll get to that in a
0: minute. Right. So start, uh, uh, go ahead and just hit play on the next one. And, uh, hopefully you'll catch up and see what we got to do for obedience. Thanks for listening, and uh, hopefully you guys are hitting the follow button so that you can get all of the the content. If you have any questions, comments, want to shoot us a line, feel free to do that at uh, modelparentingpodcast at gmail.com. And uh, I did just want to say thanks. Uh, I know a lot of you are sharing the podcast, um, and we've started to get some really good feedback from that. So um, just know that you guys are impacting other people just by sharing the podcast, and we really appreciate your partnership in doing that. Uh, but feel free to reach out to us if you want, and uh, we'll catch you up on episode five. Thanks. Bye.